the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is a special edition of Straight Talk about Thanksgiving. Charlie Brown says in his Thanksgiving message, his Thanksgiving cartoon, Charlie Brown says, what if today we were grateful for everything? Just one day. (laughs) Charlie Brown has a lot of insight that some of the others don't have. William Faulkner said gratitude is quality similar to electricity. He said it must be produced and discharged and used in order to exist at all. Bruce Wilkinson, some of you will remember him, a Christian writer, a moment of gratitude makes a difference in our attitude. It does. Today is a day of thanksgiving and a day of gratitude. The original Thanksgiving celebration was held by the Pilgrim settlers in Massachusetts during their second winter in America in December of 1621. First winter had killed 44 of the original 102 colonists, almost half of them. At one point, their daily food ration was down to five kernels, um, five kernels of corn apiece. But then an unexpected trading vessel arrived swamping them they're swapping beaver pelts for grain providing for the severe need the next summer's crop brought hope and governor william bradford decreed that december 13th 1621 be set aside as a day of feasting and prayer to show the gratitude of the colonists that were still alive that's sort of the story that's sort of the story of america Sometimes we've gone from want to plenty. That's the story of life. But there's a story behind that December 13, 1621 Thanksgiving. I'd like to tell you that story today. Call it the rest of the story or the backstory to it. It's about one man. If you look at the history of America, and some have, there have been books written about this. It's a story of miracles, of the miraculous. It's a miracle that the ragtag army of George Washington of the colonies was able to defeat the strongest, the most professional, the most accomplished military complex on the planet, the British army. Nobody thought they could win. I mean, they weren't warriors. They were farmers and pharmacists and fishermen and whatever. But they did win. And if you look at an honest, take an honest look at the history of America, you will find that it is miracle after miracle after miracle. As I said, their books have been written about it. You can find the books. You can Google it. You can look. I mean, if if you take an honest look at America, it's a story of miracles by God blessing us. 
And I think that if we do not acknowledge that and accept that, it is certainly, certainly amiss on a spirit of thanksgiving because there would be no America as we know it and have known it if it weren't for the miracles of God. Let me tell you one of the stories. This is a backstory. And there are a lot of versions of history now. There's the 1619 version that eliminates the 1776 version and all of that. I think we're all aware of that. But this is based, what I'm about to share with you today, this is based on uh, William Bradford, a guy named Winslow, and a couple of other people who were a part of or closely connected to the first pilgrims who arrived here. It's from Bradford's Journal, Captain John Smith's The General History of New England that he wrote, Sir Fernando Jorge, and um, pilgrim and diplomat Edward Winslow. This is from their diaries. So when someone in your family says, well, that's not true. Gary's telling that story about Squanto. That's not the facts. Well, it is the facts. Because the people that were there wrote it down, and they were smart people and knew how to write. So that, that that's the basis for this backstory. There may be slightly different versions of it, but that's the basis of it from their own writings, their journals, and letters they wrote to one another during this time. It's the story of one Indian. Sailors poured onto the rocky beach as their small craft landed. Nearby cliffs echoed with a shout, Grab the short one, somebody yelled, before he gets away. The Indian boy felt a sailor's calloused hand grasp his shoulders. Then he thrashed and jerked, and Squanto couldn't break free. As fibers from a coarse rope cut into his wrists, he finally decided that struggle was useless. He was dragged into a longboat, then carried aboard a three-masted English ship, anchored offshore. Squanto had been fishing along the rugged coast when his friend and he had looked up and pointed great boats with white wings. They scrambled over the boulders to meet the strange white-faced intruders. Now Squanto was their captive. Weeks later, a pale Squanto wobbled down the gangplank from their lurching deck into the firm land. He and the other Indians were taken to the elaborate mansion of Sir, Sir Ferdinando Orge. He had financed many expeditions to the New World. For the next three years, the Indian youths were taught English. At first, Squanto found the new tongue awkward, but eventually he surprised himself. He said, my name is Squanto. I have come from America, he could say. And he continued to learn the language. His English host was eager for the Indians to master the language. One day, Jorge called him to his quarters. He said, young braves, he said, you have studied hard. Now you will be sent as guides on new explorations of America. He said, I'll miss you. Another ship? <laughs> How can I stand that constantly rolling deck, Squanto thought. But in time he gained his sea legs. His knowledge of the rivers and natural harbors and the tribes and the chieftains of his homeland provided very helpful to the English explorers. For years, he had longed to see his beloved bay in the village again, where he'd grown up. One day, as his ship sailed along the New England coast, he spotted it. Squanto ran to the captain. He said, may I go ashore, sir? 
That's my village. That's my home. The captain said, yes, young man. He said, you've served us well. He said, you can return to your people. As soon as he heard the pebbles crunch under the longboat's hull, Spoto jumped out and ran to the to embrace his parents. He was home. It's always good to go home. It's healthy to go home once in a while. Once again, though, he was imprisoned aboard a British merchant ship. Rats scampered across the damp hold where the Indians were chained. Scarce provisions, a stormy trip. He'd been through this before. How How could it happen again? And continual seasickness took their toll. Several Indians were buried at sea. By the time they reached the Spanish slave port of of Magala, Squanto was very weak. One by one, the surviving braves were pushed out onto the auction block to be sold. Finally, it was Squanto's turn. He could hardly stand. Senors, what will you bid on this strong Indian? The slave trader whispered and rasped. The brown-robed monk noted. The auctioneer grinned. Sold to the brothers of the monastery. A heavy pouch of coins were exchanged. Hands and the and the monk led Squanto to his house. At last his rib, wrists were untied. A friar brought fresh water and plenty of food, though Squanto could only eat a little bit of it. You are free! Squanto looked into the clear eyes of this man of God. He didn't know any Spanish, but he understood that. Over the next few weeks he pieced it together. He said their love for Jesus had prompted these Christian brothers to buy Indian slaves and teach them the Christian faith. And as the monks nursed them back to health, Squanto began to learn about loving Jesus. Yet he longed for home. The Indian used the command of English to find a fishing boat headed for London. There he rejoined his explorer friends. Again, Squanto became a guide for explorations of the New World second time around. Years passed, the the day finally came when he saw the familiar coastlands of home. Once more he was granted permission to go ashore. No one greeted Squanto on the beach. He ran to his village. He found the bark-covered round houses were empty. Not even a dog barked. Graves outside the village told the story. Samoset, his friend from a neighboring tribe, could bring little comfort. He said, a white man's sickness struck your people one one week, all dead. Many villages lie silent, like Patuxent. Squanto's emptiness overwhelmed, overwhelmed him. He was overcome with grief. Finally, he went to live with his friend Samoset. One cold December morning, six months after he returned, Squanto watched the white sails of a ship grow on the stormy horizon. By this time, he did not run out to meet it, but he watched. This time, as he hid, the men came ashore. Their clothes looked different. They weren't like those that the sailors had worn, the fancy English officers that he'd seen on other ships when they captured him and enslaved him. Broad hats, great black capes, shielded them from the biting wind. He could glimpse white caps and long dresses of women aboard the ship anchored in the bay. Often he saw children playing on a deck as green leaves came to clothe barren trees. The settlers began to build houses on the very place where his village had stood. So one day, 
as Squanto was watching intently. Samoset urged him to go meet the settlers. He said, go meet them and get acquainted with them. A cry went up as the Indians strode into the settlement. The men grabbed their muskets. They thought he was the enemy. The Indians lifted their hands in greeting. My name is Squanto. This is Samoset. He said, we come in peace. The settlers were astounded. An Indian who spoke clear English? How could this be? The pilgrims lowered their muskets, invited the Indians to share some food with them, and to talk. They spoke English, especially this Squanto person. The sun had set by the time Samoset got up to leave, but Squanto hesitated. Many of the settlers had already died from disease and winter's bitter cold. There was little food, yet they weren't giving up. He said, I'm staying. This is my home. It's my village. These are my new people. He had adopted the settlers. Squanto learned a bit about their culture. And he turned to the leaders and he said, may I stay with you? He said, "I, I can help you. I know where you can find food in the forest and so on. And the white guys studied the Indian carefully. They said, could he be trusted? I mean, this is unbelievable. Still, the struggling colony was in no position to refuse his help. So they said, yes, please help us stay. That spring and summer, Squanto proved his worth many times over. He led them to brooks alive with herring and beginning their spring migration upstream. He showed the settlers how to fish with traps. He taught them where to stock game in the forest. The children learned what berries they could pick for their families and what not to pick. Twenty acres of corn grew tall after Squanto showed the pilgrims how to plant fish with the native corn seeds from a local tribe. So it was Squanto's tribe that had cleared the 20 acres before the settlers, the pilgrims, had ever arrived on the coast. Once a hostile hostile tribe captured Squanto, if he is killed, shouted their chief, The English have lost their tongue. A small pilgrim force arrived just in time, firing their muskets in the air. The terrified chief released his captive and fled. Squanto repaid the pilgrim's favor. His bargaining skills kept neighboring tribes from attacking the small Plymouth colony. They had become mutually beneficial to one another. In In the fall of that year, The pilgrims planned a feast to celebrate God's merciful help. Squanto was set to invite friendly chief Massasoit and his braves. He said, yeah, I can do that. They'll come. They did. They gathered around tables spread with venison, roast duck, goose, turkeys, shellfish, bread, and vegetables with woodland fruits and berries for dessert. Before they ate, the pilgrim men removed their wide-brimmed hats and Indians stood reverently following the lead of of the leadership, the pilgrim men, they stood reverently as the governor led them in solemn prayer. The governor is one of the people who wrote this story and gave us the facts. Thank you, great God, for the bounty you have supplied to us. Thank you for protecting us in hardship and meeting all our needs. Towards the end of the long prayer, Squanto was startled to hear his own name. And thank you for bringing to us Indian Squanto, your own special instrument to save us from hunger and help us to establish our colony in this new land. Squanto 
felt a sense of pride. He stood proudly. It was a day to remember for Indian Squanto. Two years passed, and Squanto lay mortally ill, struck by a raging fever while scouting. He turned over in his mind the events of his strange life. He said to himself, he said, I thought, I never thought my life would go like this. It almost seemed that a plan had led him. The first time he was captured, he learned English. The second time, he was freed by gentle Christians who taught him to trust in Jesus. And through his own people, and even though they had died of sickness, God had sent him to a new people who built their colony where his old village had once stood. As he was dying, pilgrim leader William Bradford knelt at his bedside. Pray for me, Governor, the Indian whispered, that I might go to the Englishman's God in heaven. Squanto breathed his last breath on November, in November of 1622. He was gone from the new world, but he was featuring and entering a heavenly one. These are stories, this story was taken from the journals, as I said, of Bradford, Captain John Smith in his writings, and diplomat Edward Winslow. They were all there. They know this happened. We, we live in a climate today in our culture where everyone is trying to remove our true history. And you can see why, if they don't believe in God, if the do not accept God as the supreme being that he is, certainly they wouldn't want these stories taught to their children or our children. But these are the true stories of America. These are the true stories of how God blessed the founding of America. As I said, the original Thanksgiving celebration was held by the Pilgrim settlers in Massachusetts during the second winter. December 1621. The first winter had killed 44 of the original 102 colonists. At one point, their daily food rationing was down to five kernels of corn. Now we know the story behind that story of how God provided for them in ways they could never have understood. They couldn't hardly realize as it played out before them. They begin to see the hand of God working. On Thanksgiving Day, we can we can pause and we can, just speaking me to you, we can pause and sometimes there's that sense of, boy, things aren't going well and why is this happening to me and all things don't seem to be working together for good and so on. And yet behind the scenes, God is always working. God is there to to bless us and prosper us and help us and stand with us and walk with us through the difficult times. To think that we'll never go through difficult times is unrealistic. The Bible is very clear. The New Testament tells us we'll go through difficult times. And sometimes our first thought will be, well, what do I have to give thanks for? I mean, why should I be grateful? Nothing is working in my life. My family's broken. Children have rebelled. Whatever. Spouses walked away from me. 
whatever it is. We go through these things in life. And it's tough. It's really difficult. But behind the scenes, God is working his will and his plan. And God heals the broken heart, the wounded. We can be thankful in our difficulties. We can be thankful not because of them, but in them. These pilgrims were seeking religious freedom and opportunity in America. They gave thanks to God for his provision for helping them. And they thanked him for helping them find the 20 acres that was already cleared. At least they knew enough about it to know they could farm there. From that time forward, Thanksgiving has been celebrated as a day to give thanks to God for his gracious and sufficient provision. Abraham Lincoln officially set aside Thursday, November in 1863. He said, as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent father. And in 1941, Congress ruled that after 1941, the fourth Thursday of November would always be observed as Thanksgiving Day and be a legal holiday. All of this because, because there has been a recognition of God's provincial care for us and his providence over the affairs of man, the course of human events. Scripturally, we find things related to the issue of thanksgiving nearly from cover to cover in the Bible. Individuals offered up sacrifices out of the gratitude, out of their gratitude in the book of Genesis. The Israelites sang a song of thanksgiving as they were delivered from Pharaoh's army after the crossing of the Red Sea in Exodus 15. Later, the Mosaic law set aside three times each year when the Israelites were together together. All three of these times, the unleavened bread, also called the feast of the Passover in Exodus 12, harvest of Pentecost, Leviticus 25, and the Feast of Ingathering of Tabernacles, Leviticus 23. They all involved remembering God's provision and grace. Harvest and Tabernacles took place specifically in relation to God's provision and grace. Harvest and Tabernacles in relation to God's provision in the harvest of various fruit trees and crops. In the book of Psalms, there are hundreds of, of Psalms, verses that direct us to be thankful to God, not just thankful. I mean, there's people across America today that are thankful to the government, thankful to whatever. But this is a day set aside to be thankful to God. In the New Testament, there are repeated admonitions to give thanks to God. Thanksgiving is always to be part of our prayer. Some of the most remembered passages on giving of thanks direct us to that. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16, 17, and 18. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Philippians 4.6 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, and intercessions of giving be, of thanks be made of all men. And of all the gifts, of all the gifts, 
the greatest one, the greatest one he has given is his gift of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross of Calvary. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Jesus paid the sin of debt so a holy and a just judge could forgive us of our sins and give us eternal life as a free gift. This gift is available to all of us who call on Christ to save us from our sin in simple but sincere faith. On Thanksgiving Day, we can remember John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that whosoever will may come and spend eternity with God. This is something that can be remembered during our Thanksgiving feast and our Thanksgiving activities. Romans 3, 9 through 26, Romans 6, 23, Romans 10, 13, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For this gift of his son, the gift which meets our greatest need, the Apostle Paul said, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. If things, things are not as they should be, and anyone is questioning whether I do I have anything to be thankful for today, everything seems so wrong. Oh yeah, you do. We can be thankful to God. We, like the pilgrims, have a choice. If life, In life, there will always be those things that we can complain about. The pilgrims had lost many loved ones. But there will also be much to be thankful for. Our society becomes increasingly secular. The actual giving of thanks to God during our annual Thanksgiving holiday is being overlooked by many today. But don't let yourself become one of them. Thanksgiving holiday is some kind sometimes referred to as Turkey Day. I don't know how many people I've heard in the last few days, the last week, referring to Thanksgiving Day as Turkey Day. I understand. But let's call it what it is. It's not Turkey Day, although I love roast turkey. It's Thanksgiving Day. And we have so much to be thankful for. God is good. And every good gift comes from him. James 1.17 For those who know Christ, God always works everything together for good, even the events that we would not necessarily consider good. He's working those things together for good. Thanksgiving Day. A day to remember. A day to be thankful and a day to rejoice. I want to thank all of you. I'm grateful for a lot of things today, and among them are all of you who tune into this program every day, and to those of you who feel it's important and feel that it's helpful to people, including yourself, and you support it. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for a family that serves the Lord. We have been blessed. All of our kids, their spouses, and their children serve the Lord. And they do so enthusiastically. We are blessed. But we are blessed also. My wife and I have often spoken of this. We're blessed by all of you who make this ministry possible because we feel very strongly about it. 
and we know you do too. Thank you so much. We are blessed and we are thankful. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.